in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today we celebrate the first Sunday of Advent. So today starts this long-awaited-for season of preparation before the most beautiful and holy of all nights, when the Son of God, the eternal Word of God, became a divine infant in the crib of Bethlehem. Not only is it a commemoration of that first coming of our Lord about 2,000 years ago, in which he came in the flesh, taking upon himself the frailty of our human nature, but St. Bernard reminds us that Christ also comes in spirit and in power, in his second coming. And this second coming is meant to last until he comes again, this time in the third coming, in glory and majesty for the last judgment, as we just read in the Gospel. So let us focus for a few moments, moments are thoughts or attention on Christ's second coming, in spirit and in power. The first coming is already behind us, that on the day of the Nativity. The third coming has not come yet, the general judgment at the end of the world. So when shall then the second coming take place? How should that second coming be manifested to us? And what are the signs? Of that comment. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. So the exaltation of our Lord is clear. He will abide in one's heart and soul if one loves him and keep his word. This second coming, more than an instant or a specific moment, a particular time of history, this second coming seems to be an intermediate indwelling of Christ within us before His coming as judge with His visible body on the dreadful day of the general judgment. This coming can be understood as the second coming as a way, a journey, a road on which we travel. Now this coming is said to be, as we said, in spirit and in power. In spirit, obviously, in as much as we cannot see the person of Christ among us as he reserves that visit for the last day. And therefore only as a spirit does he come and dwells in our soul. In power now, inasmuch as this participation in God's very own life in our soul goes way beyond the rules of nature. It surpasses the natural capacity of every created intellect. Our limited human nature wouldn't be able to cross that gap that separates the human, human from the divine. It wouldn't be able to receive that divine life if God's almighty power was not the first, the only and the necessary cause that can make it possible. We do not realize what this participation to God's life, what we call sanctifying grace, the grace that He gives us to sanctify us. So that is sanctifying grace, which with the infused virtues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we receive on the day of our confirmation that spring from this sanctifying grace in every soul, we do not realize what this participation to God's life means. And St. Thomas says, St. Thomas Aquinas, the good of grace in one is greater than the good of nature in the whole universe. For grace is the germ of eternal life. 
incom incomparably superior to the natural life of our soul or to that of the angels. So be as diligent, scrupulous, careful, worried about your own soul as you are for your own body and health. And a spiritual author explains, the value of a seed, a little seed in our soul, can be known only if we have some idea of what should grow from that seed. For example, in the order of nature, to know the value of the seed contained in an acorn, we must have seen a fully developed oak tree. In the human order now, to know the value of the rational soul, which still slumbers in a little child, we must know the normal possibilities of the human soul in a man who has reached his full development. Likewise, we cannot know the value of sanctifying grace, the seed given to us on the day of our baptism, which is baptized, uh, sorry, which is in the soul of every baptized infant and in all the just, just in the sense that someone uh, being in the state of grace, unless we have considered at least imperfectly, imperfectly, sorry, what the full development of this grace will be in the life of eternity. And this Advent season, just starting today, reminds us of the care one should have for his soul in order to make this second coming possible and lasting. Keep his word. See where I stand at the door, knocking. If anyone listens to my voice and opens the door, I will come in to visit him. So listen to his voice and open the door of your soul during this season. Listen to his voice and keep quiet all other obnoxious voices around you, constantly polluting that dialogue he wants to establish with your soul. Think of your cell phone, the news, TV. Everything is noise around us in our society today. Fast with all your senses during these four weeks before Christmas. Fasting with what comes out of your mouth, what enters into your ears, what penetrates into the deepest part of your soul, to the sense of sight. Do not let anything endanger the life of that precious seed left in your soul on the day of your baptism. Sanctifying grace. And come up with a battle plan and even write it down for yourself and for your family. Don't leave this chapel thinking, yes, I want to start on the right foot and I'll make great resolutions for Advent. No, but leave this chapel today with a plan in mind and practical, concrete, specific resolutions in a spirit of atonement and sacrifice. Since the whole liturgy expresses well that penitential preparation necessary for the coming of the divine spouse and judge. The organ will now be quiet, except to accompany Gregorian chant. The flowers and relics on the altar have been removed. The violet purple color of the vestments remind us of the mood of the season, somber, somber, but yet the Alleluia is maintained, which makes it different from Lent this other penitential season before Easter, to keep before our eyes the divine infant who already came among us, bringing to the whole world joy, a joy that nothing will suppress because he has 
had victory over death. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, says St. Paul, but labor with the gospel according to the power of God, who hath delivered us and called us by his holy calling, not according to our own little works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the times of the world, but is now made manifest by the bright coming and appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath destroyed death and hath brought to light life and incorruption by the gospel. Listen to my voice. We then commemorate with joy his first coming in humility and love in that little crib in Bethlehem. We continue our sacrifices now. We redouble our efforts to reform our lives, to keep his second coming in grace within us. And finally, we wait for the day of the third coming. And according to a spiritual author, as for the third coming, he says, it is most certain that it will be, most uncertain when it will be. For nothing is more sure than death, and nothing less sure than the hour of death. May we during this Advent season hold firm the hand of our beloved Mother Mary. Let us accompany her to Bethlehem with the same sentiments of joy and dread. Joy for the promise of our Redeemer has been fulfilled, and dread to lose the very object of our eternal beatitude, the Emmanuel, our Lord Jesus Christ, King and Savior, Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.